A reading from Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let's we go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother, mother mother-in-law, since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. When she threshed barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah, she carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth, the Moabite, said, He even said to me, 
Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Good afternoon, everyone. Great to be back here with you as we continue our series in the book of Ruth. Today, chapter 2. And as we're going to see, what a coincidence. I'm not sure if you ever find yourself saying that to yourself in your life. For example, you bump into someone unexpectedly. I found myself in Death Valley, age 11, in California, in the US, miles away from home. And who should I bump into but my maths teacher from school? And I don't think she was as happy about it as I was. What are you doing here? What are the chances? Um, I was recently reading about a student in Wales, from Wales, called James Bond. Now, you've got to hand it to his parents, given the surname Bond. Out of all the Christian names you could have chosen, you went with James. But maybe he thought it was cool. Anyway, um, in his GCSEs, um, he sits down for one of his examinations... Guess which number his examination paper is? 007. Now, you hear these things that happen in your life, you hear about them in others. You go, what? what are the chances? What a coincidence. I wonder, how do you sort of explain them? Do you say, it's all by chance? It's all just blind fate? Perhaps you go a little bit scientific on it and well, probability states that with so many things happening all the time, one or two of these things are going to happen at some point. Or perhaps, do you sometimes think that something else, something deeper, might be going on? Don't know if you ever saw the 1999 science fiction film The Matrix. Let me read out one of the lines. Tonight is not an accident. There are no accidents. We have not come here by chance. I do not believe in chance. When I see three objectives, three captains, three ships, I do not see coincidence. I see providence. I see purpose. I believe this night holds for each and every one of us the very meaning of our lives. Now, personally, I love lines like that. My heart gets racing, the adrenaline is going. Of course, it's just the film. But what if it were true? What if it were true that behind even the tiniest details of our lives, something purposeful is happening? No accidents, no coincidences, but the very meaning of our lives. That is what is going on in Ruth chapter 2. And not just for Ruth and Naomi, but for every single person who trusts in Jesus Christ. Let's take a look now. First, in verses 1 to 3, we see a providential coincidence. We'll spend more time here on these first few verses. Verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. 
Now, in Hebrew literature, whenever a character is introduced for the first time, what is said about them is important. Here we are told, he is a man of standing, he is godly, he is wealthy. Not just that, he is from the clan of Elimelech. Do you remember Elimelech? From chapter 1, Naomi's husband, who is now dead. Naomi and Ruth come back from Moab to Israel. They are poor. They are widows. Could this man help out? A family relative, wealthy, godly, a man of standing. Let's read on, verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favour. God's law stipulated that Israelite farmers should not glean or harvest right up to the corner of the fields, but leave some for the poor and immigrants to pick up. Ruth seems to be aware of this. She asked Naomi to go out to the fields, hopefully find a godly farmer who will let her glean. Naomi agrees. Ruth goes out. And guess which field she ends up in. Verse 3. So she went out, entered the field, began to glean behind the third harvesters, as it turned out. Now this isn't picked up in the English. In the Hebrew, that literally translates as, as chance chanced. As chance chanced. Or as we would put it, what a coincidence. As if by chance, as luck would have it, wouldn't you know that she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who has just been introduced as the one person who could help. What a coincidence. Or is it? Because the author of the book of Ruth is no fool. He knows perfectly well that God is active in his world. We know that because back in chapter 1, verse 6, he said, the Lord coming to the aid of his people. And it is the Lord coming to the aid of Ruth now. So why doesn't he put it explicitly? Why does he instead choose to use this clunky expression as chance chanced? Because sometimes life does seem by chance. Sometimes life's events do seem to be coincidences. Even though behind all of it is God. The author wants us to see that what seems like coincidence to us is actually providence. This turning point in Ruth's life, not down to chance, providence, purpose, the very meaning of her life. Just speaking personally for a moment, when I think back to what was the main turning point for me becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, actually one of the main things was my decision to choose quite a random course at Durham University called Maths with European Studies, which basically meant that I got to read Maths, my favourite subject, but spent the third year in Spain, Granada University, 30 minutes from the south coast and all the sun there, and 20 minutes from Sierra Nevada ski slope. I don't know you could ski in Spain. I loved both. You can see why I wanted to do that course. I was the first person in the history of Durham University to do that course. Two years later, as it turned out, it just so happened, someone else wanted to do that course and wanted to ask me about it. And as it happened, it just turned out that she was a Christian. 
And through that I started speaking to her about Christian things, who Jesus really was, what he had done for humanity, and six months later I'd given my life to Jesus Christ. Now, from my point of view, I was just making decisions on university. Ordinary decisions. Pretty random this person happened to be doing this two years later. She happened to be a Christian. I look back now, even though I didn't realise it at the time, here is the Lord at work. Not coincidence, but providence. And I'm sure many of us could say similar stories today. Do you see coincidence? Or do you see providence? That person who just happens to be on your university course. That random book you just picked up that introduced you to Jesus Christ. It just turned out that you were born into a Christian family. Do you see coincidence or do you see providence? God does never leave anything down to chance. So please don't only look for God in the miraculous. He is there. I hope you look for him in the ordinary too. There is no burning bush here beckoning out to Ruth. There's no parting of the grain. This field, Ruth. This is an ordinary woman making ordinary choices in a very ordinary life like many of us are living each day. And yet God was at work in her life in an extraordinary way. Do you see coincidence? Or do you see providence? Your life is not left to chance. God loves you too much for that. It is no accident that you are working in Parliament right now. Working on your particular project, that particular bill. It is no accident that you might be the MP for that particular constituency constituency or working for that particular MP. It is no accident that you are here today at Parliamentary Chapel or listening online. Do you see coincidence or do you see providence? Just to be clear, just that God is providential in our lives, in no way does that limit our freedom, mean that we aren't making real choices. Ruth made a real choice here to choose that particular field. Nor does it mean that we sit back and do nothing. Ruth here is proactive, she's resourceful, she doesn't wait for a government handout, she doesn't wait for manna from heaven. She thinks for herself, she comes up with an idea, she gets to work. And so must we. So that's the first thing from verses 1 to 3, this providential coincidence. Look secondly where it leads in verses 4 to 17, this extravagant kindness. So if you glance down to verse 4, the owner of the field arrives, Boaz, and he notices Ruth gleaning in his field. Who's that? Who's that young woman? And his workers reply, she's that Moabite woman who came back from Moab with Naomi. Now look at what Boaz says to Ruth in verse 8. My daughter, listen to me. 
Don't go and glean in another field. And don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men filled. Now in case we don't know, gleaning back then was a dangerous thing to do. Particularly for a woman, and especially so for a widowed foreign woman. But here we see Boaz protect her. Stick with the women, don't go in any other fields. I've told the men not to touch you. Protection. Boaz treats her with incredible respect. Remember, Ruth's an outsider, she's a foreigner, she's a Moabite, someone who would normally be looked down upon. But Boaz addresses her here at the beginning, my daughter, personally, caringly. Boaz also provides for Ruth, whenever you're thirsty, go get a drink. Back then, it was usually the women who drew water from the, for the men, foreigners, for Israelites. Here is Ruth being told she, whenever she's thirsty, she can go up, get the water, which has been filled by the men. And it's not just water in verses 14 to 17. Boaz is just so generous to her in verses um, 14 to 17 as well with a whole lot of food. In verse 14 he says, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. And then over the page it says, she ate all that she wanted and she had some left over. It's just overflowing, it's just abounding. In verse 15 he says, let her gather among the sheaves. Verse 16, he tells his workers to pull out some stalks for her from the bundles. I mean, it's getting a bit ridiculous now. And by verse 17, Ruth ends staggering home with like an ephah of barley on her shoulders, which is a month's worth of food all given to her in a day. And do you see Boaz is just incredible, abounding, overflowing provision and protection and generosity to her. And it leaves Ruth gobsmacked. I mean, she says back in verse 10, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me? Look at how Boaz responds in verse 11. I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Where has this extravagant kindness come from? It has come from the Lord, who is pictured here, as he often is in the Bible, as an eagle. Eagles are fiercely protective of their young. You take refuge in the Lord. That is how he deals with you, under his wings. This is what happens, providential care leading to extravagant kindness. Now, we need to be careful here as we apply this to ourselves today as Christians. Jesus Christ does not promise us overflowing material blessings in this life if you choose to follow him. It might well be that your bank balance stays the same. What Jesus does promise us here and now is every spiritual blessing in him. Ephesians 1 verse 3 4 if you want to reference Abundant love, overflowing forgiveness, all the spiritual provision, spiritual protection you and I need in this life. That's what he promised us now. 
and the material, the physical blessings, they will come in the next life, in the new creation. Vitally we get that right. Every spiritual blessing now, every material blessing to come. And so if you've come to chapel today and you're feeling pretty disillusioned with life right now, perhaps you're pretty frustrated with a project you're on, with a colleague you're working with, maybe you're stressed out, maybe you're feeling particularly insecure or inadequate, could you see from Ruth chapter 2 the assurance here that as you take refuge in the Lord, refuge under his wings then he is definitely at work in your life. In the ordinary details of your life, a providential care leading to an extravagant kindness. What seems like coincidence is providence. It is for your good. If you are someone here trusting in Jesus Christ, you can wake up every morning Knowing that God loves to pour out his extravagant kindness on his people. It might not be the way you think it should be. But that doesn't mean it's no less true. Who knows what proverbial field God will lead you to today. Nothing is left to chance. God is at work for your good. The third and final thing to see from verses 18 to 23 is a deliberate ambiguity. Ruth returns home and Naomi's like, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Well, I, I worked in Boaz's field. Look at what Naomi says now in verse 20. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter in law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Here's the question, who is the he referring to? Is it referring to the Lord? Or is it referring to Boaz? Deliberately ambiguous in the Hebrew. Why? To make the point, this is not just about Boaz's kindness to Ruth, although it is clearly there. But it is also about the Lord's kindness to Ruth and Naomi. The Lord's kindness through Boaz. And that is a challenge for us here today, for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, because the Lord wants us to show this same sort of kindness to others, to one another, and to the world. And I wonder how we're getting on with that. It is no coincidence that God has put that particular colleague in your office, even if he or she just winds you up in a particular way. That particular neighbour in your street, God brings people into our lives for a reason, to show them the same kindness that God has already shown us in Jesus Christ. And where we struggle with that, as we all do, then we need to come back to the cross, the heart of the Christian message, and see Jesus Christ's abundant, overflowing kindness to us as he dies for us and our sin, as he pours out his love and his entire life for us, as in his death for us, 
our lives are turned around for eternity. And the more we meditate on that and appreciate that to the extent that we get it and his love changes our heart, so we will find us loving and showing that same sort of kindness to others. Providential coincidences leading to extravagant kindness. And it is to come through us, through his people. Let's pray. Father God, thank you very much indeed for this next chapter in this wonderful short story, the book of Ruth. And how it shows your providential work and care in your world and our lives. Even when it doesn't seem like it to us. It seems like chance. It seems like coincidence. No, you tell us it is providence. A providence that is ultimately for the good of your people. This extravagant kindness poured out in Jesus Christ today. Every spiritual blessing now. Every physical blessing to come. But the challenge is there. For those of us who have received that kindness to show it others. Would you help us please by your spirit to do that today and this week. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.